0: You're listening to The Robin and Boom Show, where we engage the contemporary world with the great tradition. Wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, or elsewhere, you'll find us there. Now, here's today's co host, Jason Van Boom. Hello, welcome to The Robin and Boom Show. I'm your host today, Jason Van Boom. My co host, Robin Phillips, can't join us today. He's busy with finals for spring semester in grad school with the University of Oklahoma. So for this and next session, I'll be holding down the fort. And in today's episode, we'll be discussing the relationship between church architecture and civic life, cathedral and city, building off of our earlier discussions with Dr. David Wang about Notre Dame Cathedral. There have been some new developments in the rebuilding of the spire of the cathedral. And this raises a whole bunch of issues to help us explore them. We have with us Dr. Stephen Slater. Dr. Slater is a practicing architect, theologian, specializing in Catholic Church architecture, master planning, and urban design. He specializes in Catholic Church architecture across the United States, either as the architect of record or the design architect. He works in the recovery of tradition, which he says does not mean superficial revivals of external styles. Rather, he takes a holistic sacramental approach to church design. He also works in urban planning, things such as new urbanism, smart growth, master planning, and rezoning. And last, he has written extensively on historical and theological aspects of liturgy and church architecture. So welcome, Stephen. Thank you, Jason. So as we've been talking about with Notre Dame, uh, initially there was some good news much of the fundamental structure of the church had survived intact it's really just the spire and the roof primarily and some billionaires opened up their wallets and threw in lots of money and so there's no financial technical problem to rebuilding the cathedral but as some of our listeners know or may have come as a surprise to you. some of them after the French Revolution. Church buildings such as Notre Dame actually belong to the French government. And President Macron of the French Republic has opened up a design competition. So they're not simply going to reproduce the spire that the 19th century architect Violet Leduc had, had built, which has become somewhat iconic. There's a international design competition, and one of the proposals which has gotten a lot of press attention, is the kind of thing that would strike some people as bizarre, but other people might like it. And so this is really fertile thing to discuss. Basically the, des- the design is to create a kind of spire but that comes out of a greenhouse and it has solar panels. So you have a Gothic cathedral with solar panels that would power nearby buildings and also grow fruits and vegetables. And I don't know of actually any cathedral, even any synagogue or mosque, that has a green house garden on top of it. It's And looking at the proposed design, it looks, I don't know, science fiction-y a little bit. but I'm not an architect. But Stephen, I wanted to ask you first, what's your initial impression of this, of this kind of design proposal? What does well, it tell us uh, about contemporary attitudes towards design? Okay, well,
1: the, uh, the design that you're talking about, I believe, is the one by Vincent Calabot, uh, who's a, a very well-known architect in, uh, in Paris. Uh, it's, um, he does a lot of green work, and this is not the first project where he has taken a historic building. For instance, the Hotel de Pau the Hôtel de Poste in Paris, where he's proposing kind of a roof garden with a um, geometric greenhouse on top. This is a motif that he uses. This is a theme. This is something he, it's in, not to be diminutive, but it's in his bag of tricks. That's the way he approaches architecture. That's the way he approaches how to treat an old historic building in a fresh contemporary way. So in a sense, this is a, a, a predictable um solution that he's proposing and again this is not really a development in in the process this is just him throwing an idea out there hoping to get the job he's hoping to get i'm i'm presuming this he's hoping to get enough traction that people say wow yes let's go with that direction and he and so either he eliminates the competition the idea of the competition or his idea becomes so recognizable that the compet the competition jury would just select him, okay. So it's it's marketing, okay. He's he's got a big firm, um, he's got a lot of resources behind him. He's got he's a very technically savvy architect. Uh, he's got a vision for what life is about and what how to create old and new harmonies or syntheses. And so he's doing something very very deliberately here to basically get a commission, okay. So it's not really a development in the project. Now, to speak about this idea of putting like a greenhouse or some sort of a garden on top of the, um, of the roof, Mario Bote did that at the Évry Cathedral, I'm guessing 1990 or whatever year Évry was built. Cylindrical building with a, it, it has a crown of trees on top of it. So he's got some sort of a roof garden. The roof garden itself is a very modernistic kind of a trope. It's a recovery of kind of the Garden of Eden. Uh, we see it in Luc um, uh Villa Savoy, Villa Savoy in Paris, outside of Paris, where he has this elevated garden, and it's a reclamation of the Garden of Eden kind of trope. All right. So, you know, what what Calebot you know, is doing here is is working within a modern tradition, okay? He's not doing anything particularly groundbreaking. Um, he's not, uh, it's like th- these architects are still working in tradition. It's just the tradition is predicated on other understandings of the human person, of life, of society, of what building is about, of how symbolism works and so forth. So I just want to give some context to that first. Does that right. help understa- for you to understand?
0: Yeah, it's good so to emphasize, yeah, em- emphasize this that this is something that's on spec, and you know, actually, ironically, by us talking about, we're kind of helping his own marketing ploy because it's you know making it talked about. But the reason I'm bringing up is there's as an example of the way people approach church architecture and city design today. Like you said, he's working within a contemporary tradition. It's something that's very established, and precisely because it's something that's established, it can be indicative of people's attitudes towards design. So, Stephen, you basically said that he's working one tradition, which is not necessarily the same thing as the tradition of the church or of European civilization that was behind the Notre Dame Cathedral. And the whole uh, struggle and uh, a lot of the structure of right. Paris around it. Can you tell us a little bit about this contrast in traditions? Well, so
1: this gets to the heart of of views of the human person as either imago dei, someone built, in, you know, created in the image of God, basically, or whether uh, the human person is just a uh, and then some sort of a, a product of random evolution and materials that happen to come together over time and now find themselves here as, you know, sentient, self-aware beings shaping their universe, right? So, I mean, at a very fundamental level, the medievals had an understanding of creation as, as God creating with purpose and with intent and with an, an end to it, a telos, right and so it doesn't probably get more foundational to that philosophically and theologically uh that we have two very different views of the human person uh and we have two different views of the order of creation uh, or the order of the cosmos whatever we can perceive whether there's a spiritual basis behind it or whether it's just the you know, the forces of of um physics and chemistry and matter and mass and energy right Mm-hmm. So, um, the medievals, of course, would have understood and would have, when they were approaching the question of sacred architecture, which is not a medieval understanding. It goes well, well back to, to far into the depths of Christian history before Constantine, um, uh, it kind of formalized church architecture and made it, you know, made the basilica and the imperial, uh, overtones of sacred architecture um, the medievals would have looked at the church as a um as, as some sort of a way of expressing uh the very nature of the church herself the church being uh the body of christ the church being the temple of the holy spirit the church being the body of christ um and, and the heavenly Jerusalem, I repeated repeated body of Christ, but, but the heavenly Jerusalem, the great city of God. Um, this, and, and so when you look at the early medieval accounts of what the intention of the architect was, what the intention of the builders were, say, before we had really formal architects, Abbot Suger in, in Saint-Denis, he has a treatise on what he's trying to achieve, what he is approaching, what, what we now call the first Gothic church right at Saint Denis for him it was just building in the modern style this was just what contemporaries did or, or you know so he's taking a whole body of thought and a body of technology of, of from the um, that was existent in the say what we can now call the Romanesque period before the 12th century and he is um, he's trying to create a the city of light the, the, the light, the, the building that takes its cues from Revelations 21 and 22. This city of light that comes down from heaven where the tabernacle of God is dwelling with us, where the whole building needs no lamp because the Lamb, that is Christ, is the light that illumines everything. So he, there's this great metaphor of light that's going on in the ancient, or the, the medieval, uh, Gothic cathedral uh, where they're trying to actually dematerialize it. Uh, I mean, not that they would use that language. Okay. But, but I think the key is this is that they have a building of stone and it's, it's a building of mass and, and they're doing everything they can to let you think this is not a building of stone. So everything becomes articulated in these, very thin bundled shaft columns. So you get the sense of linearity and, and the, the, the groin vaults, the rib vaulting, and the tracery on the windows, and everything becomes a matter of line work, interestingly, which is a huge uh, difference from what preceded it. And so what you're, when you're inside a Gothic cathedral, you're thinking, you're not, you're not intended to think of this as a building of heavy mass and stone, and gravity, you're thinking of, you're, you're meant to feel something, a sense of uplift, and a sense of dematerialization, and a sense of transparency, and a sense of the permeation of light coming through the windows as the light of Christ comes into the windows of our soul and illuminates our hearts. So all of this is a very, very complex system of, of an analogies mm-hmm. um, that, that fundamentally work on a human level. And we know that it still work because this is why people go to Notre Dame, right? I mean, they're not necessarily Catholic. They're not going for mass. Um, they're not going to, because they necessarily believe in the narrative of Christianity, but it moves them in a very, very profound way to uh, to experience something. So does that help understand like how the God, the medieval would have approached the question of architecture?
0: You know, well, it's as you were talking about this, I was thinking about it's amazing that there have been all of these different styles in church architecture. So, when we're talking about a tradition in church architecture, it's not about following the same style. Because, as you were describing so beautifully, the Gothic cathedral structure in Orthodox and other Eastern churches. It's very often the opposite. You do not have all this line work. You do not have an attempt to sort of transfigure stone just into into light. It's going to actually be very massive buildings. But the design and the iconography still convey the same sense of being transported to a heavenly Jerusalem, of being surrounded by light, by grace. Absolutely,
1: and in fact, in in a way, if I might just point out, uh, if you look at Hagia Sophia, is is another example of much earlier seventh century or whatever of, of this dematerialization and this huge dome of light that that dematerializes this immense bulk, so that when you're inside it, it is glowing, and the light is reflecting upon the mosaics, which are the icons which represent and, and, and direct us toward the heavenly hosts, the angels and the saints in, in worship. So in a different manner, in a different style, with a different technology, with different artistic sensibilities, but with the same core theological and sacramental sensibilities, they're trying very much to achieve the same thing.
0: And you know, speaking of you know, with technology... What are the obstacles to us in, say, rebuilding, not just Notre Dame Cathedral, but creating it, uh, say, creating new churches or um, whenever there's a new question of design coming up, what's the obstacle? Because the obstacle is not lack of wealth, not lack of technical resources, not lack of craftsman skills, because we have all of that. What's the obstacle?
1: Well, I, I would say that are, are are you are you looking at the question of like a grand cathedral like Notre Dame being rebuilt or is it a question of like your typical parish church? The whole
0: the whole that's... the whole the whole scale. And even, even beyond church architectures just so so often I'll go by some modern building and I wonder how could that architect sleep at night after building this thing? Right. It makes it makes no sense. And it has nothing, nothing to do with wealth because I've, you know, I've, I've seen uh, when I was in Turkey, little, very humble neighborhood mosques that were very beautiful. And I've seen, you know, huge mosques that had lots of money behind them with, you know, like middle class Silicon Valley tech professionals putting the money in it and it's blah. Uh so it's it's it's, it's, beyond, sure. it's beyond what's happening with church architecture. But maybe we can talk about what, what's not, the connect what's the connection between church architecture and civic architecture?
1: Well I think the question uh the, the connection there is in the very nature of how the apostolic churches have treated the church herself, the ecclesia, right? The ecclesia is a community. It is the people of God, and not just in some kind of amorphous sense, but the populum dei recalls like the political order of the Roman Empire. I mean, this is this is a very ancient understanding of of the people of God is 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 the whole civic order. And so, when when the rev- the question of how the Church understood Revelation, uh, the Book of Revelation, that is, and this vision of the heavenly city, as a perfection of the heavenly Jerusalem uh there's there's a natural symbol there of the people gathered together orderly hierarchically ordered under Christ under the bishops um and and so we are in this this metaphor of the city is really what determines the relationship between uh, the Catholic, between church architecture and the civic order, because the civic order prece- predating the uh, the establishment of the Christian church was itself a sacred reality uh, the The ancient Romans the ancient etruscans the ancient Greeks uh, would lay out cities according to cosmological principles, and the the priests would order the city. The 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 um and and they would def- like if you read the ancient Romans like uh, like um, Livy for instance or Ovid they have these these understandings of how Rome itself for instance was founded as a sacred city because it's a cosmology it's a it's got a cosmological order and it's meant to be a container for and kind of a, a microcosm of the whole of the universe so that the people are properly ordered to the gods. So the city itself is something that we've lost. Today we just have these sprawling suburbs which are laid out on grids and have huge freeways that we get around in. Um but the it's but the ancient city, the Roman city, the medieval city, was a was a sacred reality. Uh, and so we can't we've lost that sense of it. Uh, And not that I know how to get it back, other than um, finding little base communities and finding ways of building community back around church, back around education, back around the things that really generate meaningful culture.
0: I think there's a variety of things. There has to be things that connect us to real principles. So, for example, living in the countryside. If you are exposed to nature, you're seeing natural processes, and you're living in nature, that's going to do something to your intuition of the order of things. Mm-hmm. You know and I don't th- think that you know, let me back up. I think that church, or even say within humanity as, as a whole, the the cultists, the the sa- sacred act. It's not a magic pill. I think maybe a lot of conservatives or traditionalists think that, oh, if only we could have religion again, then everything is going to spring back in some kind of beautiful cosmological order. But if you don't have a proper understanding of cosmology and metaphysics and the human person, simply just trying to tack religion onto the church, it's not. It's not going to work. There has to be an integration of our sense of reality, our sense of the cosmos, a sense of the natural universe, how the human person fits into that, and an understanding of, of theology.
1: I, I agree with that completely. And again, this gets back to the problem of things like the, what do we do with Notre Dame? Uh, because we, as a culture, as a developed state of society, of a civilization we no longer think in these kinds of terms of, of order and relationship as cosmological. We no longer look at the human person as a little microcosm of, of creation. Uh, You know, we're, we're now like meat machines and bags of parts. Right. Uh, So yeah. And you're not going to, you're not going to revive culture or revive church architecture, or revive society itself by just building ancient models of buildings. I I don't think it works that way. Now, those are still completely acceptable for working within the culture of, say, the Catholic or the Orthodox Church. If you're going to build design an an Eastern Church, uh, you're going to have the Central Dome, you're going to have the Iconostas, you're going to have this Threefold separation from the the uh, the vestibule to the nave to the sanctuary, the altar area, which you know again that has its own iconographic tradition going back to Maximus the Confessor and St. Germanos. This is the way the the church is built because it's a representation of the entire. It's a representation of the the community. It's a representation of the the greater church, it's a representation of Christ, it's a representation of the human person. So it's working on all of these different levels, and so it would be a violation of that order to say take a if I was given a commission to design say, you know, an, an, an Eastern church, to try to impose some sort of like centripetal model of, you know, gathering around the table. I mean, that's just not that's not the language, that's not the meaning, that's not the intention, that's not the tradition. And if you you know, once you do away with tradition in and art in and, and religion, uh you've done away
0: with religion, effectively. Yes, yes. Would you agree with that? Yes. And in you know, applying it again back to with Notre Dame, Notre Dame, the I say this is the fundamental conflict that one really feels vividly in europe on the one hand the relics of christendom of this christian civilization or you know intending to be christian civilization that once was dominant in europe has produced all of this architecture art music and is key to the identities of most european peoples So in the case of France, even though most French people are secular, perhaps even atheists at this point, I'd I'd have to look at the polling figures, but certainly it's mostly a secular society, still, Notre Dame is the starting point for determining all distances within France. And symbolically, it's very powerful. But it's not even just a matter of not believing in the faith that produced these buildings, but not understanding it so like you said there's this assumption that we live in this hollow materialistic universe without any kind of organizing formative principle nothing spiritual to it and so there's it's just, a, just a kind of death that even if well, these churches are preserved the life that comes from, from, from understanding them is just gone.
1: Right. And in, in its place though, it's interesting because people still try to hold on to the best, what, what could only have been produced from this Christendom. Um, the, the, the profound sense of beauty, the sense of the human, the dignity of the human person, the whole question of natural law, natural rights, um, Morality at a very, very basic core uh, came out of a religious Christian, Jewish, pre, you know, other uh, Levantine, you know, religious traditions. I mean, there's always there's something inherent about culture and artifacts of culture, not just material culture, but like understandings of of Rights and responsibility and the dignity of the human person, all of these things only came out of the out of a um religious mindset right and and so the religion since the enlightenment you know has been kind of eradicated from the discussion, and they're trying to hold on and find some meaning for how do we hold on to like morality was something very basic, like morality, right? right. Uh, not that, not that we, we can't, and not that we, we don't, or we aren't naturally moral persons who wants to do good, but we don't have like a philosophical and um, like an epistemological basis for actually doing that. Once we do away with the question of, of religion itself as an ordering principle that ultimately finds its meaning in creation and a creator, a divine order So, you know, a lot of, I think the things that we're grappling with here are that we live in this vestige of Christendom and we're still holding on to so many of the very, very good things that that the faith has brought to Western society and has been formative on the best values of that we still hold on to. Uh and and so we're now faced with this conflict of if we do away with the religion, how do we hold on and how do we actually find a a like an intellectual basis, an intellectual foundation for sustaining what has been given us. Uh, we do agree with that, because I know you're very good in epistemology and you know Cultural history, but is that something you would essentially agree
0: with? Yes, yes, I I would. Um, you know, I I was also putting that you know the co- caveat say for some of our secular listeners is, of course, this not not being uncritical towards the history of religion. You know, this is something that's being carried out by human beings, and so a lot of imperfections necessarily will arise. But ultimately, it comes down to the question of this ordering principle that's Present in all, in all aspects of, of life. And you know, we, we could go on for more of this, but we're, we've reached sort of our, our time limit. But Stephen, thank you very much for coming on to talk with us about this.
1: Jason, it's always been a pleasure. I, you know We've known each other a long, long time. I have fond, fond memories of you. I, I hold you in the highest regard. I'm glad to see what you're doing here, and I would look forward to continuing this conversation with you.
0: Thank you. Stephen Schlater. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. The Robin and Boom Show is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you. To become a patron of the show, go to robinmarkphillips.com and select the Robin Boom Show from the drop-down menu. If you have questions you'd like to have addressed on a future episode, send us a message through our Facebook page. Once again, thanks for listening.